the silent treatment. We, we don't like when we communicate with somebody and they don't respond back to us. That drives us crazy, right? You, you call somebody, they don't call you back. You send them a text and maybe they just don't respond right away and so you send an emoji that looks something like this to them because you're like, why aren't you responding right now? Because it's the way that we are, right? If I don't see those little bubbles come up right after I text you, you must be mad at me. Something must be going on because you're not writing me back right away. Um, we don't like the silent treatment. Um, we have this instant expectation of communication with other people. Um, and we don't forgive very easily when it comes to communication either. At least from our point of view, it just takes too long for people to, uh, to respond. People need to respond to us right now. Um, though we love the idea of second chances, we love those ideas for ourselves. We're not really as uh, quick to give them out to other people. Um, even though we would never say it out loud, though, we kind of think that God should have the same standards that, that we do when it comes to a second chance. But luckily he doesn't because even though we don't get back to him, he's still there. He's still there and he will remain there. A lot of this talk today comes from a question that I've been asked many, many times over the years. And I've been asked this question from, different of, from people of different age groups and demographics, um, but I've been asked it quite often. And the question is this, why does God seem far away from me or not there at all? If we're honest with ourselves, we've all asked this question at one time or another. Maybe we haven't verbalized it, maybe we haven't said it out loud, and maybe we haven't phrased it exactly this way. But we've all been to a place in our life where we've asked this question. Why does God not seem like he, you know, why does he seem like he's not even there? He seems like he's far away. And when I get this question, I always answer back with a question. And virtually every time, I get the same answer. Because the question I answer the question with really gets to the root. And the question I'll ask back is, how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? That's our topic for today. And you can follow along in the Bible app or, uh, or in your paper notes. Um, you can feel free to, uh, to follow along and take some notes for yourself. And, and the interesting thing is when I ask that question, I usually get the same answer. They'll do one of these. Head will drop and they'll say, not good. Not good. So I want to talk about this simple topic this morning that's really underrated, underemphasized, and incredibly powerful, and that is prayer. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have, and we don't utilize it nearly enough. We've got a bazooka, and instead we're fighting with a BB gun. And prayer is is so powerful and we, we just don't take advantage of it. And so I wanna dive into the way that we approach it. And the reason is this, the quality of your spiritual walk is directly related to your prayer life. Let me say that again. The quality of your spiritual walk is directly related to your prayer life. Think about that. When I think about prayer, I find it ironic that we're, you know, I've, I've had this topic for a couple of weeks now, but, um, I find it ironic for those of you that maybe know or you got Pastor Ed's Weekend Edition um, about Calvin McNutt, uh, one of our deacons and one of the most godly men that I know, that I've ever known, to be honest. He's an incredible man of God and he's an incredible man of prayer. Um, he, uh, 
he was in an accident this past week. He was, uh, he was up high cutting a tree down and uh, long story short, fell and broke everything more or less. And uh, he is in critical condition in ICU at the hospital and uh, is, is not doing great. And um, been praying for him daily um, since that happened. And, and, it's, and it's interesting because when I think of Calvin, and I've known the guy literally my whole life. I can't think of a time in my life when I didn't know him. Growing up here at ABT, I just, I've known him my whole life. And when I think of him, yes, he's the, probably one of the hardest working people I know. He's, um, but that, that's not actually the thing I think about when I think about Calvin. I think of a man who is incredibly kind, who is beyond loving and graceful, and who is a man of prayer. And whether you realize this, every single Sunday, every Sunday, without fault, he is in the prayer room at 8 o'clock every Sunday praying for you, praying for me. He is part of the group that gets together every Sunday to pray before the services. And it broke my heart this morning to walk in there with those guys and for Calvin to not be there. Because you can really, this might sound weird, but I think you'll know what I mean. When you pray with someone, you can really hear their heart, if that makes sense. And praying with Calvin is awesome just to hear such a, just to hear his heart. He loves God. And he loves people. And so it was really weird for him to not be in there with us. And we're, we're going to pray for him um, in a little bit. And I want to ask you to continue to pray for him and for the family as they go through this tough time. Because as the doctor said, um, you know, he's not out of the woods yet. There's been some progress um, but he's still got a long way to go. And Calvin is a guy who is a prayer warrior. Um, and his approach to prayer, and I know because I've talked to him um, and, and heard his heart, as I've said, when you pray with somebody, you really can hear their heart. His approach to prayer is not one of the two approaches that, that we usually take. Because a lot of times when we pray, we take one of two approaches. We will take either the genie in a bottle approach, Right, where we're going to God because we need something. And so, you know, we rub the lamp and say, God, I need this. And then after maybe we get that, you know, we don't go to God again until we maybe need something else. Or there's the obligation approach. Well, I guess I need to pray because we're sitting down to eat. So God is great. God is good. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. And we just move on, right? And we count that as prayer. Um, when in fact we're just reciting words out loud. You might as well say the Pledge of Allegiance um, because it had just as much meaning. And neither of those work because if we're just praying obligatory or we're just praying because we need something, then I think we are devaluing the power of prayer. We're not seeing the value in it and we really maybe don't get the power of it. And we have excuses that we really shouldn't use. Because here's the deal, prayer is not something that we should just go to God when we need something. Yes, we should go to God when we need something, but it shouldn't be the only reason. It's also not something that we should do because we have to. It's a privilege. We get to pray and talk to the creator of everything. Like, grasp that, in all honesty. Anytime we want, we can talk to him. That's pretty sweet. And we don't take advantage of that nearly enough. And 
we make excuses. We say things like, I don't know what to say or where to begin, and that's fairly legit sometimes. Then there's the other side of it that's like, well, I ask and ask and nothing ever happens, so why bother? And then there's the approach of like, well, I just don't have time. I love that one. We'll talk about that one in a little bit because there's always time. And so as I ask the question, how is your prayer life? I want to dive into those questions and really kind of debunk them and at the same time help with those. So in your notes, number one, it says, I don't know what to say or where to start. This is a great excuse that we use. I don't know what to say or where to start. And it's interesting because the disciples actually said the same thing to Jesus. The disciples asked the same thing. Jesus, how do we do this prayer thing? And he's like, all right, let's talk about it. And that's in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles or the Bible app, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 5. Here's what Jesus says. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Listen to that one. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. There's a whole other message in there. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. And we know this, we've heard this probably. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your father will not forgive your sins. I find it ironic that prayer is directly tied to forgiveness. That's for another time, though. But if you break down sort of the template that Jesus gives us here, because the words you say are not nearly as important as the condition of your heart, but at the same time, Jesus gives us, in, in many ways, a template here. And he's, he does a few things. Thank God for his mighty power. Ask him for help to obey and, and to demonstrate the kind of perfect love that we should have here on earth. And then we ask him to meet our needs. That doesn't mean give us everything we want. There's a difference. Meet our needs is not the same as give us everything we want. Ask for his protection and strength as we fight against sin and, and the grace to help us forgive people who hurt us. Now, there's an acrostic that I learned years ago, and some of you maybe have, have seen this before, and the, the word is acts. A-C-T-S, like the book in the Bible. That's an easy way to remember that. And it helps to give us, and, and it's based off of this, but it helps to give us a template for maybe what to think through when we pray. Because when we say, I don't know what to say, or even where to begin, we can maybe use this. And so the, the template is, is this, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And you can see the A-C-T-S on there. Adoration, giving God praise and honor for who he is. Uh, confession, Seems to make sense, honestly, dealing with the sin in your life. Thanksgiving, not turkey. Verbalizing what you're grateful for in your life and in the world around you. 
um, right? Thanking God for, for all of the blessings that he's given us. And supplication, which is a, a big churchy word that really is talking about the supplies, supplying all of our needs, the root, root word there, supply, right? Pray for the needs of others and yourself. And this can help us as we are thinking through prayer. And, and this is a question that actually I've, I've heard from adults and students alike. So this isn't something maybe that that you're thinking, well, I know how to pray. It's, it's, it's interesting because if you look at the things that people are like the most afraid of, and you look at a list there, there's things like heights and all of that, but on the tops of those lists are public speaking is one of them, and public prayer is another one. People are, some of you probably, are scared to death to pray in front of people. And one of the reasons is because of this. We don't know what to say or how to say it. And it, you know, you'll notice that there's nothing that Jesus says about praying, you must say these particular words in this particular way, and it must be in King James English, and it has to be with an English accent. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it, there's nothing like that. It's the condition of your heart has so much more to do with the words that you say. Number two, second excuse that we like to use when it comes to our prayer life. I ask and ask and nothing ever happens fill in there is nothing. So why bother? A lot of times we, when we pray, we get discouraged because we don't see immediate results. Because we've got this, I need immediate results perspective in the world that we live in today. Because everything needs to happen right now, right now, right now. Um, I mean, like how often are you searching something on Google and, and you hit like go to search and something doesn't come up right away and you're like, what's wrong with this thing? Yeah, I mean, we do it, right? We all do it, you know? Um, we don't have patience and we quit praying because we don't see our immediate results. But look at what Jesus told us. Luke 18, one says the disciples, he said this, the disciples should always pray and never give up. Should always pray and never give up. If you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's never too late. It's never too late. Lazarus was dead and in the grave for three days before Jesus showed up and answered the prayer. They were praying for him to not die. He died. Three days later, Jesus shows up and answers the prayer. It's never too late. Lazarus was raised from the dead. It wasn't too late for him. No matter what you're praying for, hear this. No matter what you're praying for, keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Jesus promised his followers that persistence in prayer would be rewarded and honored, and that promise is good for us as well. Now, that's not prosperity gospel. That's not saying, well, if I just keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to get this or that. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but God is going to honor persistence in prayer. And as I said, he cares more about our heart than he does about the words that we say. Look at Luke Chapter 18, if we skip down a little bit to verse 9, this is a parable that Jesus is telling here. And it's interesting because he reverses the roles of what we would typically think would be of these people here. Starting in verse 9, he says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That was his whole prayer. Verse 14, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Pharisee's prayer, I, 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 me, me, me. All he did in his prayer was talk about himself. All he did was make sure that God and everybody within earshot could hear everything that he was saying and could hear how great he was and how spiritual he was. And then you've got the tax collector who doesn't make a big scene, doesn't draw attention, confesses his sin, and begs God for mercy. He knew there was no point in listing the good deeds or the things that he had done to God because there really were none that could measure up. But he also knew that despite everything that he had done, there was hope. And here's why. The next fill-in. What you've done can never outdo what God has done. What you have done in the past can never outdo what God has done. The amazing thing about God, one of the many, is that there is no one who is too far gone to receive his grace and mercy. No one who is too far gone. Yet there is also no one who is so good and good enough that they don't need his grace and mercy. We all need it, regardless of what season of life you're in, what you've done, what you haven't done. Sometimes we don't pray because we don't think we're good enough and that he won't listen. We've all thought that. I'm not going to pray. He doesn't want to hear from me. I'm garbage. We've all thought that. That is a lie, and you need to stop believing that if you do. We think God won't listen. Listen to me. You matter so much to God. He wants to hear from you, no matter what you've done or haven't done. You can trust in his promises and trust in his time and his timing. Speaking of time, that brings us to the third excuse that we use a lot of times, is that I don't have time and I forgot. I've heard this one as well. And I know this seems legit in your head, but when you say it out loud, like, it's kind of ridiculous right? But we've said it. Oh, I ran out of time. D did we? <laughs> did we really run out of time? Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus took the time to go off to, place, to, to lonely places by himself and pray. Okay, but he's Jesus, right? Of course he did that, Jay, I'm not him. Very true. But we are supposed to be like him, are we not? Our goal is to strive to be like him. Isn't it? So we're either followers of Jesus and trying to follow in the footsteps of him and do the things that he did as best as we can, and some days we get it right and some days we don't. 
See, we have a prayer priority problem. That's the next fill-in, is the word priority. We have a prayer priority problem. A big part of the problem is that prayer doesn't register as a possible solution until things are at their worst. But what if we talk to him every day? What if we talk to him every day? We can approach the throne of God. We can approach the throne of God whenever we want. Whenever we want. And we don't talk to him or spend any significant time with him. And then we wonder why he seems distant. It's ridiculous because no other relationship in your life would be looked at like that. Seriously, think about it. Somebody who you would call your best friend, but you talk to him for 10 seconds a day, only at mealtime, and then maybe, maybe on the weekends at the end of the service, and you would talk to him. Would, would you really call them your best friend? No, you don't talk to them. Like, that would be ridiculous. Nobody would ever say that about a friendship because there really isn't one if we're not talking to God. John chapter 17. If you want a little bit of homework, read the entire chapter of John 17. You know what that whole chapter is? Jesus praying, the whole chapter. It's Jesus praying. He's literally praying the whole chapter. And he's praying for his glorification, he's praying for his disciples, and he's praying for the believers, for you and for me, throughout that entire chapter. That's Jesus praying. He had a priority of prayer in his life. James 4, 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. It's a relationship. You come near to God, he's going to come near to you, but he's always right there. You don't have to go chasing after him because you can just turn around and he's right there. He's right there. Corey Ten Boom, who was a Holocaust survivor, said this, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. I love that idea of having an appointment with the Lord. We're all super busy. We live in what would be considered probably the busiest time in history. Everybody's got a million things to do all the time. I, don't, I, I live by my calendar on my phone. Um, and you know what? There are times where I've needed to put a meeting in my phone of prayer. Because I, I know my weaknesses, and I know I'm just going to get doing the stuff. And the days that I take the time to pray that I don't think I have the time to pray are actually the days I get the most done. It's interesting. If you're challenged maybe in this regard, and you're like, man, I just don't have time, I'd I dare you to put a meeting on your phone for it. Put, it. put a meeting for it. Set a time that you talk to God every single day. More than just when you wake up or when you go to bed, and those times are fantastic as well. But listen, when Christ died, we're told that the curtain in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. It says that in Matthew 27, 51. That barrier between God's holiness and man's impurity was destroyed we can go to God anytime that we want. We all need his grace and his mercy in different ways. I need it differently than you need it. So why don't we intentionally make it a part of our day? Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help us in our time of need. We are all in a time of need. And so my connection point for you for this morning is really the question I began with. How is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? Take an honest look. Take an honest look. The quality of your spiritual walk is directly related to your prayer life. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So how's your prayer life? Is it effective? Do you sense God working on your behalf or do you feel stuck? Are you persistent in your prayers? Or do you give up if you don't get the outcome that you want? Are you humble when you pray? Or is it all about you? Do you come to God trying to outdo everyone else and earn his favor? And do you realize that what you can do can never outdo what God has already done? Persistence in prayer is an important thing. So forget about what your prayer life was or wasn't. I want to challenge you right now to start now with your prayer life. And so I have a prayer challenge for all of us right here, right now. I want us to all pray together. And I want us to pray for Connect Church because what can happen if we pray for God to do something together to glorify him? Connect Church is a result of persistent prayer over years, years. And we're finally so close that we can see it. But we can't stop now. And so I want to do something here. I've got, I've got actually three things that I want all of us to pray for, if we could. And if you want to partner up maybe with somebody next to you, you can certainly do that. Or you can pray quietly to yourself. That's fine too. But I've got three things that I want you to pray for. The first thing is for our brother Calvin McNutt. To pray for Calvin, for God's healing, for a miracle to happen there. Pray for the family. I can't imagine what they're going through. Lift them up. And then I want you to pray honestly to God for your prayer life. What needs to change? Something probably does. What needs to change? Talk to him about that. And then, as I just mentioned, to pray for our church. And not just the renovation, exactly. While that's important and, and we need the stuff to get done, but for our church family to be healthy and ready for this new start and for us to be people of prayer. The lights and the sound and the video don't matter if we're not focused on the things that really do. We need to be people of prayer. God is gonna change so many hearts and lives 
through Connect Church, I have no doubt. He's already done it. He's gonna continue to do it. And we need to be persistent. We need to be people of prayer. And so this might feel awkward for you, and that's okay because we grow in awkward moments. Awkward's awesome. And so I wanna just give like a minute or two, whether you wanna just pray right, right where you're at or pray with the person next to you or even group up with a couple of people and pray for those three things. I'll give them to you again. Pray for Calvin McNutt and the family. Pray for yourself in terms of your prayer life and maybe what needs to change. And then pray for our church, for our church family so that we can be ready for this new start. And then I'll close us in prayer here in a second. The band's gonna just play a little quietly underneath for a minute or two. So I wanna just give you a minute or two. Let's pray. continue to pray if you are praying. I would just ask that everyone keep their head bowed and eyes closed and we can just focus on God for just a minute. Let me just say that if, if you're here and, and maybe you've never even talked to God before, I hope that you've also heard today that God loves you so much. He created you to, to be in a relationship with him, to talk to him. And it's our sin that separates us from God. And, and we can't do anything to get those sins washed clean. We need the blood of Jesus for that. That's, that's what Jesus came to do, is to free us from that. And that freedom is available for anyone and everyone. And that freedom can give us eternal life. And that eternal life can start right now. And if you wanna know more about that, I would love to talk to you as soon as we dismiss, you can come down front or even here um, while the band sings. You can come down here and we would love to pray with you and talk to you and show you in God's word how you can know for sure, as it says in that verse in 1 John 5, that those who believe in the name of the Son of God can know that they have eternal life. We can know for sure. 
Father, I love you and I thank you, Lord, for the way that your spirit moves. God, I thank you that we can come to you at any time. Lord, that we have the privilege to talk to you. God, it's incredible. Lord, I I lift up Calvin to you. Calvin McNutt, Lord, I pray that you would heal him. Lord, I pray for a miracle. I pray for the doctors and the nurses and everybody involved, Lord, that you'd give them wisdom and that he would, uh, Lord, be back here with us praying again soon. Lord, I pray for the family. I pray that you'd wrap your arms around them and give them a peace, Lord, to be reminded, God, that Calvin's right where he should be and that's in your hands. So, Lord, wrap your arms around the family. God, I pray for all of us to take this challenge of our prayer life seriously, Lord, that we would honestly evaluate how much we are talking to you, God, how much we are investing in our relationship with you when it comes to prayer. Lord, show each and every one of us maybe what needs to change. And Lord, let that spill out into the health of our church. God, as we are so close to the launch, Lord, help us to be ready for it. Help us to be healthy spiritually. And a huge part of that is our prayer life. God, help each and every one of us to pray for Connect Church daily as we're moving forward. I pray that your spirit would just continue to move now as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name.